Good evening all. My name is Paul, I'm one of the pastors here at King's and uh, it's my privilege to be speaking this evening. Uh, actually it's my privilege to be kicking off the new preach series, which is called Strengthening Yourself in God. Um, as Susie was sharing, um, it's a four week series um, running in January and February, it's running over alternate um, Sundays and uh, in between we've also got Tuesdays and um, Friday discipleship groups, so that if you're not looking at the material in community group life, or if you're not looking at looking at it in students and twenties, or whatever setting you're in, there's an opportunity for you to buy in either on Tuesday lunchtimes or Friday mornings. And I'm sure all of you can't wait to get along for the 6am Friday morning slot and uh, spend an hour at that point in time um, looking just to earth down uh, what we're going to be looking at over these preaches. There's also, as Susie said, the blog, blog, blog. There's a blog and life app um, available as well, so you can have a look at that on your own if you'd like to. Now, this, this series has been about 12 months in the prepping. Um, it's not so much I've been preparing for 12 months, but I think God has been preparing me um, for the last 12 months. It's something that um, started way back in January of last year. I was at um, an elders and uh, wives event um, with Chloe in Ashford. It was um, an overnighter in a hotel in Ashford. And uh, it, was, it was okay. Um, it was put on by New Ground. And uh, Dave Holden, who oversees our church, was uh, leading, leading it through. And um, I think it was on the second day. And um, it was in the middle of a time of worship and I sort of just decided I was going to buy out of it. I'd, I'd come to the conclusion, you know, I, I wasn't in the best of moods, if I'm totally honest. I thought it was all okay. I find those weekends a little bit too much, if I'm honest. Probably shouldn't be saying this. I think it's been recorded as well. But anyway, um, I, I was just disengaged, really, with what was going on. And... Um, Clearly, Dave Holden noticed that I was disengaged with what was going on, and he decided that the thing that was needed was a good apostolic prayer and a bit of a word for me. So he came during the middle of the worship and he shuffled down the road, getting past people, came and sat next to me, and he prayed a whole load of different things, much of which, to be quite honest, I can't quite remember. Um, but there was one phrase, there was one phrase that really stood out to me. And uh, it's lived with me over the last 12 months, really. And it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And over the last 12 months, um, re- I read a book by Bill Johnson entitled something fairly similar, and other stuff has been going on. I just feel God has been taking me on a bit of a personal journey as I've been looking to understand what that is and how I apply that into my life. And so over these four sessions... Um, we're going to be looking at a number of different things. We're going to look at what is it to strengthen ourselves in God. We're going to be looking at what part does God play and what part do I play or what do you have to do in that. What tools have been given to us? And this is a bit I can't really do anything about. This is now down to you guys. Is I'm hoping that you start putting them into practice. Because everything I share and everything I say this evening will be of some value. I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be quite a good one tonight. You know, I felt I did all right this morning. I felt it went quite well. I've had a bit of encouragement. But actually, it doesn't matter how good 
how anointed I am. I could have angelic hosts behind me. The whole, you know, the whole of whatever going on. But in the end, when it gets down to this stuff, it's what we believe and what we put into practice in our own lives. So this morning, the, no, this evening, the title of what we're going to be looking at is Knowing. If we want to strengthen ourselves in God, there are certain things we need to know. Next time I speak, we're going to be looking at believing. The time after that, we're going to be looking at speaking. And then last off, we're going to be looking at transforming. I believe God's inviting us as a church. He's inviting us as a congregation to learn how to strengthen ourselves in God. Learn what to do. Learn how to put it into practice. So that I can say as an individual, but also so that you can say as well, that you have grown in God in 2015. My prayer for myself and my prayer for you is that at the end of this year, you're not just older as a Christian, but you're maturer as a Christian as well. The two don't necessarily always go together. You get older by just living. You get maturer by putting the things that God tells us into practice in our lives. So let's just go back to this, this um, passage, which is 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 to 10. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to turn to it. If you haven't, don't worry, the words will come up. Um, behind me. Just before I start reading though, I just want to give you a little bit of background. You know, we know that David was a worshipper. We know that he was a man after God's own heart. We know that he served the purpose of God in his own generation. But we also know at times David struggled. He had some difficult times. He was a normal person just like you or me. And so there are things we can learn from his life that if we apply them to ourselves will make a difference for us as well. At the start of this passage that we're going to read, David is a king in waiting. God has promised that he will be, in the future, the king of Israel. But he's had numerous close, close shades with the present king, King Saul, to the point where David comes to the conclusion that if he remains in Israel any longer, he probably won't survive. So he and his 600 men that are with him and their wives and their children all go over to um, uh, the king of Gath and he offers them protection. He stays there for a year and four months in a town called Ziklag. And just as we're about to start reading in chapter 30 verse 1, we find that David is sent back to Ziklag to keep him out of trouble. The Philistines don't want him causing trouble when they have a fight with Israel. And so they send him back um, to the town of Ziklag to keep him and his men out of the way. So I'll read these ten verses and then we'll, uh, we'll unpack it a bit. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. 
And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters taken captive. And David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also have been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. That's basically throwing so many rocks at him until he died. They wanted to kill him. Because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abithar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abithar brought the ephod to David and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him and they came to the brook of Bessor where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men. 200 stayed behind who were too exhausted to cross the brook of Bessor. I pray and uh, then we'll dive into the passage. Lord, we thank you for your word that we, we believe it's powerful, we believe it's effective to bring change and transformation. And I pray, Lord, for a mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit this evening. Lord, I pray that I'd be able to communicate this evening effectively. I'd be able to communicate well. I pray to communicate passionately. I pray I wouldn't take longer than I need to. I ask for your grace. I pray for your anointing. But I pray as well, Lord, that we will have open and receptive hearts. I pray, Lord, that we'll have alert minds. I pray we'll have a faith that grabs out and reaches hold of your word and makes it our own. I pray for that. I pray not for a passive faith, but an active faith that grabs hold of your word and makes it effective in our own lives. Please, Lord God, will you help us in this, we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you, I want to ask you for the next 20 minutes. I want the best of what you've got in your attention, in your energy, in your thought processes, in the openness of your heart. Don't be passive. Be open to what um, God wants to say to you through this. This, I reckon, was a really low time for David. I'm, I'm no expert, but if you just read what happened to him... This is bad news. I can imagine him and the men coming back from being part of this main army and they are excited. They're going to see their wives, they're going to see their children, they're going to enjoy some home comforts. This is going to be good. But as they come to the brow of the hill, they can see smoke starting to come up and they think this isn't the home fires burning, something worse than this is going on. Something bad has happened. And as they cross over the brow of the hill, and as they look down on Ziklag, it has been absolutely left. It's like one of the, you know, one of the worst Syrian cities that you see on the news channel at the moment. Where it's been in, in, in the back, you know, for two years it's been in a, a place of war. Absolutely devastated. Any personal possessions that have been left have been ruined by fire. 
Everything was burned. Everything that was left was burned with fire. There wasn't anything good that was left. And yet all the most precious things to David and his men had been taken. We won't even go into the fact that David had two wives. We won't go there this evening. But, but his, his wife and his other wife had gone. All their children had gone. It, there was nothing. Any, any livestock, any cattle, anything of value, the Amalekites had taken. It says that personally David was greatly distressed. I would have thought that that phrase is an understatement. Do any of you know the story of Job? Some of you know the story of Job. Job loses everything. I reckon pretty much what David experienced there was a Job experience as well. Everything went, it hit him straight between the eyes and he just was not expecting it. It says that they wept until they had no more strength to weep. I don't know, have you ever, you ever been in that position? I can only think of one time in my life where I cried so much I had nothing left to give. I was just exhausted. I, 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 I was empty. I cried myself out. But only one time in my life. And I know for some of you, you may have experienced times of devastation like that more often. But that's what happened to David and the 600 men when they came and realised what the Amalekites had done. They, they just emptied themselves of emotion. This, this was a bad day that makes our worst days probably pale into insignificance in comparison. But for David, it wasn't just his personal loss. I mean, he had lost something, but he was leading 600 men and they had lost everything as well. And they were blaming him. They said, we're going to kill you because of the way you've led us. And these, these guys, you know, no disrespect, but these guys weren't insurance salesmen. They weren't primary school teachers. They weren't students. They weren't nurses or doctors. These were warriors. They were killers. They killed people for a living. That's how you joined David's army. These are the guys saying, we're cross at you. We've had enough of you. Ziklag had been a place of hope and happiness. But it all collapsed in a moment without warning. It just disappeared. It's like the ground opened up and swallowed everything that was precious to David and his men. But it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David didn't strengthen himself on a beach in the Bahamas. David didn't strengthen himself in a situation like this where we're all together and we can worship God. David strengthened himself in God in the worst of circumstances, in the most difficult time. He didn't try and rush off and fix it. That came later. But he lined himself up with God. He ordered his private world in such a way that it impacted his outer one. 
He went from a place where he wept until he had no more strength left to weep to a place where, able, where he was able to lead himself and his men. He went from a place of inner turmoil to a place where he led change in a situation outside of himself. He went from a place of inner turmoil, absolutely inner turmoil, to a place where he was able to lead himself. And even when they get to the brook of vessels, so he thinks he's sorted it all out, he's regathered his men, he's regathered himself, right, we're off after the Amalekites, we're going to hunt them down. They get to the brook of Bessel and he has another disappointment. 200, a third of his army, say they cannot carry on. They're just too exhausted. So he has to leave a third behind and he advances with just 400 men, which is nothing compared to the size of the Amalekites' army. But whatever he did in strengthening himself in God, it could overcome every single one of those obstacles. Now, we're not going to look at how the story finishes. You can do that in your own time. But what I'm interested in is there was a set of really bad circumstances that David strengthened himself in God and that led to an inner change affecting his outside world. And I guess in a sense these next four preachers are all about how do we strengthen ourselves in God? What was it that David did that made such a difference? How, how can I make a change on the inside that affects my worst days? How, how do I do it so that I'm not just trying to survive the monotony of one bad day after another, but actually I'm open enough to see what is God doing in my world? How can I be part of it? How can I make a difference? How can I be someone that God can use to bring a blessing and change to those around me? So this this evening, we're going to look briefly at three keys, and they're all about knowing. They're all about knowing the right stuff. And we're going to rattle through them relatively quickly, because what I want to do is to come back and have a really good time of worship, and then have an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come and minister to our hearts, our souls, for him to do his work um, among us. The first thing is, And you'll have heard this a number of times. But you need to know the truth. If you're going to strengthen yourself in God, you as an individual need to know the truth. I mean, we live in a world where there is so much stuff out there. There is so much information, so many different philosophies, so many different points of view. Many of them have helpful. But it isn't the truth. My son Ethan, he's nine years old, he collects football cards. And he has this incredible ability to memorise the name of nearly every foreign player. He pronounces them perfectly. He knows how fast they can run. He knows whether they're good at tackling or shooting. He knows what country they were born in. He probably even knows their eye colours. He knows an awful lot of truth. But it isn't the right sort of truth that's going to help him strengthen himself in God. You and me need to know the truth. We need to give space for it in our lives. If at the end of 2015, you don't just want to be older as a Christian, you want to be mature. 
You want to know what it is to have strengthened yourself in God. You need to know the truth. When, when Jesus talks about knowing, it's not just a head knowledge, but it's a knowledge that has been worked out in life and in practice. So it's taking the promises of the Bible and applying them to your everyday situations. So for Maddie, it's at Bodium Primary School. In the best of opportunities and in the worst of opportunities, Maddie taking the truths of what the Bible says and applying them and working them out in her everyday life. I found that really hard. I've been a Christian for 25 years. And my, I think my hardest time leading the church has been this last term. I don't know why that's the case. It's just been the hardest time when I've been trying to put this stuff into practice in my life. I feel at times I've been bouncing along the bottom. And it's not that I don't know it. I know it, but I need to know it when it counts, when I can apply it into those difficult situations. It's not what we know when we're together here that counts. It's what we know in our worst moments, what we believe, what we grab hold of in God that really counts. If you hold to my teaching, Jesus said, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you've been a Christian for the last five years and don't feel you've grown in God, let me ask you a question. How much time have you given for the word of God to have space in your life? Do you give more time to the football than you do to the Bible? If you don't give any space for the word of God, if you're just living from Sunday to Sunday, I think you've just identified the reason you're not growing in God. We've got to give space in our lives. This is daily. Job said, if I can find it in my notes, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. How much do you, how much do you love your daily bread? How much do you enjoy your bacon sandwich for breakfast? How much do you enjoy that Christmas dinner as you tuck into it? Now, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. I'm going to give it space in my life. I'm going to, in 2015, create space that I would know the truth. Adrian Persclove's got a great blog. All the last year he was blogging on the Bible. This year he's going through the Bible in a year. So if you thought, actually, I'm going to listen to the Bible, I'm not going to read it, I'm just going to listen to it. You could, if you listen to the Bible for about 12 minutes a day, in a year you'd get through it. The whole, the whole Bible, all of it, start to finish, just 12 minutes a day. How long do you spend preparing and eating food? Some of you, maybe not so much. But 12 minutes, I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. So you need to know the truth. In actual fact, though, my second point is you need to know this truth. I think this truth, and it's not a Bible verse, it's a quote from a guy called Bill Johnson, but I think this, this truth, as it were, has provoked and stirred me and helped me 
incredibly, as I've been looking just straight for myself in God. And this is it. God doesn't set us up to fail, but to grow. Really good preacher's point. You know, good sort of thing to put here. You might want to write down a note and, you know, think, I must remember that. Where I found it most helpful is when it's been most difficult. Where I've been facing circumstances and situations when I've wanted to sulk, where I've wanted to hide away, where I've just wanted to curl up in a little ball and say, I'll just let the world go past me for a little while. And it's not that I really think that God wants me to fail, but I don't often see those opportunities as opportunities to grow. We grow grow most in the difficult times. Whether you like it or not, that just seems to be how it goes. Do you know there's going to be a day coming? This is such good news. If you didn't know it, if you're a Christian, there is a day coming, do you know what? Where there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more difficulties. We're going to spend eternity with him forever. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to have some incredible times of praise and worship. It's going to be absolutely great. I'm looking forward to it, aren't you? That's really cool. Do you know what, though? At those moments, you'll never have an opportunity to make it a sacrifice of praise. You'll never have that opportunity when you've been bereaved to raise your hands and say, in spite of my loss, I'm going to worship you, Jesus Christ. You're never going to have an opportunity when you've lost your job to say, in spite of my world falling apart, I'm still going to worship and praise my King and my Saviour. There is an opportunity we get in this world to bring a sacrifice of praise and worship that actually we won't get in eternity. There's a richness, there's a, there's a, there's a, I suppose, sacrifice to it that although painful is an incredible privilege. We're only here for 70 years. Only here for a short time. But week by week, day by day, we have this opportunity to prove God and his faithfulness, to join with the angels saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power and do it in spite of circumstance. I think there is a richness, there is a power to our praise and worship as we do that in the midst of difficulty. And lastly, the third thing we need to know is you need to know your responsibility. 1 Samuel 30 verse 6 says, But David strengthens himself in the Lord his God. It's an odd mix really, because there's a God part to it, but there's definitely a David part. If ever you think, if ever you think, cool, wouldn't it be great for a whole legion of angels to turn up? I bet David was thinking when he got to Ziklag, all I need now is a thousand angels or whatever it is and I'll be sorted. No, angels don't jolly well turn up, do they? Just when you want to know, will they turn up? No. I know. Lord, give me the anointing of Elisha that I can run faster than a chariot. Give me the anointing of Samson that I can rip a line apart. I'll catch up with those Amalekites. I'll sort them out. Does God turn up and do that? No, he doesn't. It says, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Yes, God does turn up and do those things at times. 
But more often than not, it's as we dig into God that he turns up. In Ephesians 6.10 it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. There's a God bit and there's a me bit. Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, come on, you've got to be strong, not in your own strength, not in your own intellect, not in your own ability, not in your own staying power. You're strong in God. But you need to be strong in his strength. I, I love the phrase in Colossians 1.29. Um, to this end I strenuously contend with all the energy of Christ so powerfully works in me. There's a, there's a Paul saying that as I labour for the church at Colossae, I am strenuously contending, but not with my own strength, but with his. We need to know our responsibility in these things. Again, another Bill Johnson quote. We must take personal responsibility to strengthen every weak place and stop waiting for our outs- and stop waiting for our outside circumstances to line up with our dreams. Just an illustration, I hope this helps. I've got a very generous little sister. She 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 likes to give us presents, it's quite good. I like having generous, well-off little sisters. And for my birthday on the 28th of July, just if you're writing notes, 28th of July, um, she gave me a Visa gift card. It's got £50 on it. It's good, isn't it? It's not bad having little sisters like that. I bet you wish you had a little sister like mine. It's not my money, it's hers. It's not my financial strength, it's her financial strength. The, the problem is, it's been sat in my wallet for the last five months and I still haven't spent it. I know what it looks like, it's silvery grey, it has gift card on the front, it's got some numbers, a little visa thing, a gift for you, £50. When my sister bought that for me, that wasn't what she had in mind, that it would live in my wallet. She expected me to go and spend her money. She expected me to go and buy a gift for myself because she wanted me to have a gift. I'm using what she has given, what she has provided. I think for some of us, maybe for all of us actually, at times we're like how I am with this card. We know the truth contained in the Bible. It's sat in a nice memory verse in the bottom of our drawer. If, you, if, if I was to ask you, how does this work in the Christian life? Or how does that work in the Christian life? You could give me a really good answer. You might even be able to show me some Bible verses. Do you apply it when you need to to your life? Do you go out and spend it? Do you draw down on the promises of God? No. We don't take personal responsibility to do the things that God has given for us to do. It's like me saying, I'm really, really cold. I wish God would make it a lot warmer than it is. Lord, please make it warmer. Please make it warmer. Well, I've got a voucher in my wallet. Why don't I go and buy a jumper? You know, isn't that? And I think God has given us promises. God has given us things we just need to apply and put into practice. It's, it's contained in this manual called the Bible. But we need to take personal responsibility to make it count. 
We need to become mature believers of Jesus Christ who think and act like him out of our own free wills. We make that choice. Is it easy? Is it hard work? Yeah. Does it take time? Yeah. But it's a decision. We need to apply these things to ourselves. Why don't we stand? I'm just going to pray briefly. And Jeanette, do you want to come up and uh, be thinking about a good song? Cornerstone's good, just if you're thinking of any, you know, if you're doing requests. Let me ask you a question. What zigzag do you need to strengthen? What is your zigzag? What when I when I've been describing this, what personal weakness do you need to address? What what personal weakness do you need to strengthen and bring change to? Where do you struggle the most? Where do you need to take personal responsibility to strengthen every weak place? Why don't you just for a moment just think about that? Why don't we close our eyes? If you feel comfortable too, you can raise your hands. Just pray, Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the truth in your words. You say, Lord, that your divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. I thank you for not lacking anything. I thank you, Jesus, you are the truth. You are the way. You are the life. That actually it starts with a living relationship with you, Jesus. Lord, I, I just pray, Lord, for an infusion of grace and hope and love into every dark place that you've started to highlight in people's lives. Lord, whether it's work situation, whether it's certain people that we just really struggle with, whether it's fears that we get plagued with time after time after time, Lord, I ask you for an infusion of your grace your love and your hope. I pray for faith, Lord, that reaches out and grabs hold of your word. I pray, Lord, that we'd be men and women who learn over these four weeks what it is to strengthen ourselves in God. And although there may be times when we weep until we've got no more strength left to weep, even then we find and we find a way to strengthen ourselves in you. Coming back again to you. Our friend, our saviour, our comforter. Pray, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you come and have your way, I pray. Amen. We're going to sing Cornerstone. Excellent. Let's sing Cornerstone, which is a great place for us just to come back to. It's Jesus Christ. He's the one we build upon. And then between me and Alex and whoever else wants to get involved, we'll work out what to do next.